Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I have a fantastic guest with me, actress, model, writer. She has her fingers in a lot of very interesting pies. We have the fantastic Nicole Arlen. Hi. Hi, everybody. I am I am ecstatic to have you with us because I you've been to uh, among other things a very prestigious school that I've always had questions about. I haven't had a guest that's been to this particular school before and I have my imagination is kind of swirling because you know whenever you're in in high school and you you think about places to go this is one of those things that's kind of like Cambridge or you know something like that and I had to ask you attended the Sorbonne what was that like? Oh, that was amazing. That was beautiful. I was in an American program, but I ended up staying in Paris a lot longer than that was. And I studied art history, French, and I just loved being in Paris. And I actually made a film there with a pretty well-known director. And I got to film in the Palace of Versailles. And tra- I've always been a traveler. So going to school there was like, a dream I had as a child in French class in elementary school or middle school, whenever it was. And that was so, an, an experimental film, right? What does it mean when they say this film is an experimental film? Does that mean that they're going to have you playing with beakers and stuff in the process? It means, well, it could be, but usually there's not like a set script like Godard and Truffaut and they all did very experimental films. They just had like a treatment and then they would let the actor go based on just the idea. So those are more the experimental films, I think, it's where like, there's no limit on it. That can make things interesting. We're, now, this was before you really got kind of into the whole acting thing. This was this was early. How did it feel to kind of – did he just uh, – the director just kind of come up to you one day and it's like, you know, you'd be perfect for this, or was this something that you pursued? <laughs> No, I was sitting in the uh, fountain in Leal, and I was just a student there. And this director came over to me and said, uh, would you be wanting, willing to do a film? I, I was a photographer. And so that kind of was, um, I just remember playing on a lot of statues in the Palace of Versailles in the gardens and talking to statues and having to do kind of mime stuff with statues. And it was very bizarre, but I was so open to it, especially traveling and leaving your country into a foreign world. You're just very creative innately, I think. So that triggered a lot of me wanting to make films. The uh, the experience in the Sorbonne, you said it was a, an English program. Does that mean that you were going over there because uh, because you could teach English or because that you were just part of a segment of English students. Like we allow seven people per year to come to the Sorbonne and you're one of those seven. What, what does that really mean? It was um, an American program. It was, um, they took some American students to go over there. Basically that's what it was. How did you, uh, how did you come into that? Because I just have this, this imagination like uh you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you get the golden ticket and you manage to, to go to this yeah. magical place. It was a golden ticket. It was just um, an, a program that they took American students to study there, mostly art history. Uh, and um, so I got into that. I was uh, at Ohio State at the time, and I felt that the university was too big for me. I already knew what I wanted to do something with acting and films or art or poetry. And I applied and got in at, at that time. Hmm. Now, acting is kind of a funny business. You can come at it from a lot of different directions. You can you can grow up in the industry. You can just realize one day that, hey, this is what I want to do. You can train into it. But a lot of times it's one of those things where it's really useful to have the right people to point you in the right direction. Now, you have said in the past that uh, Susan Batson is a real kind of mentor to you and has kind of put you on the path to be where you need to be. What is it about her and, and the way that she does things that has had such a profound influence on you? Oh my God, she changed my life as an actress. She gave me 
um, the permission to explore the depths of your entire soul and spirit, like the pulling out from secret places. She teaches about the need of the actor, things that were maybe shut down in our childhood, things we could not express that are still in, in us somewhere. She gave me the permission to open those treasure chests and allow those needs of the, the child in us to be exposed and acting. And in fact, that's what makes you the best actor is not, is, is allowing those parts of ourselves that we cannot use in life. That's why I loved always being an actress because I found out that that's the very place that it's like the opposite of life. Like in life, we have to always put a cap down on our feelings, emotions, questions, needs, and desires. And then in acting, if you don't use those things, you're probably not a good actor. So it's just the depths that I was always after, even as a child through writing, that Susan, I had studied with a lot of great teachers prior to her, but there was just, that was it. Like she was like my mom or just a family connection where, you know, you can do this, go more. You can, you can be crazy and disgusting and horrible and real and truthful and the permission to do those things in the art form of acting was was um, it's just the most freeing place in the world. So, can you give me an example when you're 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 going through this this process, this um, transformative thing, where you're trying to become the you know a, a, a better a better muse, I guess, for the the lack of a better word, to to be able to become the the person that you want to be in any specific situation. Can you give me an example of one of her processes that that really kind of touched you? That was something that where it like kind of clicked. And it's like, oh, this is something I maybe never thought of. Well, before we do any work on scenes, we have to go into our life personally. Um, so it's almost like memories of things that hurt. I know that sounds really like, whoa, but that memories of times where you were like, we'll just sit on a chair and remember things. Um, the time your father left or the time where somebody told you no to something that was really important to you. And it's like, it's kind of a sense memory like Strasbourg used or the actor's studio, but even more so, it's even more permissive in a sense less controlled maybe it's just opening those parts of ourselves up was that even the question i could talk about acting for like a thousand years so i don't even remember your question well that that's quite all right that's quite all right that's the fun thing about this it's, it's uh, if yeah. you had a moment when she was maybe teaching something that that connected with you that you had not thought of yeah. previously I do, I do remember that moment. I had done a one-woman show about the Italian actress Anna Magnani, and Susan was directing it and directing me in it. The reason why that happened just really fast was because uh, upon meeting Susan, she asked me, what kind of acting do you want to do? And I said, I want to do the kind of acting that the great Anna Magnani did in the Italian films because she's the most authentic of all the actresses I've ever seen just raw and, you know, real courage. And so she said, great, you're going to do a one-woman show about Anna Magnani. I was like, oh, my God, I got myself into a lot of trouble right now, so I had to learn Italian, do this show. But there was one time where I was on stage. She had these Sunday class workshops for actors. I think it was called the Dream Workshops. And I was on stage, and it was like I was almost – at the bottom of the character and she just I wasn't quite there yet and I remember her yelling at me like you know you don't think you're good enough you think you can't do this you've got it all inside of you why aren't you working more you should let this stuff and she was yelling so much and I just remember her like just 
popping something inside of me that was, and I did something on stage in that moment where uh, she yelled at me, you're not a piece of, you know, right. you're garbage, you're good at this or whatever. And then um, I did something on stage that was so painful that the audience was like, I remember kind of glancing at the audience. They were like, oh my God, I can't watch her. It's too much. <laughs> it's too intense. And she went to a place that's very scary in- internally. So those are the things like Susan won't let you just stay here. It's what's under the ocean, what's under the sea. And right. that's why she evokes such Academy Award winning performances from the people that she coaches. There's there's also something uh, you m- mentioned uh, glancing out at the at the audience that there's something a little more connective about a live performance than something that you can get through television or 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 movies. Do you have a preference? Do, do you prefer that kind of live connection, or do you prefer the abilities like I want? to be able to take 100 takes and I want to get this exactly the way that I want it to be before it's seen by anybody? That's a really good question. Um, I don't like doing 100 takes. I know Al Pacino does. I'm somewhere in between. The um, But I prefer film. I prefer the intimacy of film. I prefer the quietness. Sometimes not a lot of dialogue. I actually prefer um, because it's just the emotional moments where the camera can pick all of that up and really get inside the person. Theater is so big and so physical. It's like being a grand athlete. And then oftentimes, like after that show that I did, there's a you really have to rest because it's you can lose your voice. And like it's just so much heightened energy. And I just love the camera and filmmaking. I love the intimacy of it much more. Do you tend to involve yourself in the procedural and technical aspects or you tend to kind of keep yourself to the acting side of things? Completely keep myself to the acting side of things. I know sometimes I, I hear some people say it's like, I, I really would like, you know, please place the camera this way. I want this kind of a, a, a film, the lighting, even they're thinking about every single item you prefer to be more like, I want to be the person. I want to be in the moment. I want to be in the moment and very focused. I I don't like multitasking or thinking about what I have to do in a scene. And a lot of actors can talk to someone and then go right into the scene. I'm not made like that at all. I really enjoy sitting in the character or maybe listening to music about the character or getting into that place. It's very hard for me to shift in, in and out of that place. Um, that's just how I'm made. Every actor is different. But um, I don't want to deal with any technical aspects. I want to deal with the other actor that I'm working with only, really. I have a directing bug. I'm also a writer, so I've got all that in me, but that would be like a separate thing. I, I don't want to take on too many hats in the same moment. I just prefer living in it. Like old school method. I can but, understand that. That, yeah. that definitely for sure. I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I've had a limited experience of acting myself and I just I had always thought it's like it. I don't, I don't get the whole acting and directing thing. I wouldn't be able to separate myself out into that other that other role to go is like, can I really look at the performance that I'm doing from a different perspective while I'm doing the performance? It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But you know, there's so many people that can somehow make it work. Yeah, exactly. I know Mel Gibson is like the best at that, but I don't know how he did that. When you're looking for projects and you know, you're, you're trying to find that next big thing that you want to do, what are the things that kind of key you in, the things that go, oh, this is, this is something that I would find really interesting? Well, I think just probably roles that, roles that have something to say, roles that go to interesting places. I like the mother roles. I like the... Uh, wife role I, I like I mean I don't think there's anything I wouldn't like but something with some depth to it and an arc and changes and very thoughtful 
or a fighter or something where you have something to say as an artist in the film. You're not just, just, uh, you know, you want to, you want to express a character. Right. You're, you're not almost part of the scenery. Yeah. Yeah. You want to express somebody that's going through something, give a life, you know, and breath into a person, a, a character that has something to fight for. That's, that's it. What I just said, playing somebody with something to fight for. Right. Or overcome. And a lot of times, uh, your own personal life experiences can kind of play into that. And you've managed to accrue some very interesting life experiences. I had, I have this whole mess of questions about one very specific facet of your past that I was looking at. And, and I'm, I'm super curious because I, I don't think I've talked to anybody that's done this, but it says that at one point you were in a pageant, uh, <laughs> and that whole thing, you know, the closest that I've gotten is, is, uh, well, watching, uh, you know, uh, was it, uh, the Miss Congeniality films, <laughs> seeing the, the pageant through that specific lens, but what what was being part of uh were you in multiple or were you just in kind of one big pageant? One, one. I was in one big pageant and I came in first runner up. Oh. And I I was uh that was a very interesting experience. Um I had trained in, in dance actually for this pageant for quite a long time and I was doing performance from the Broadway show Cats. And uh, I was I was in the costume, and that was my talent at the time because I don't think that we were allowed to do something with acting. I think it had to be singing or dancing. And at the time of the pageant, I was so terribly nervous that I completely forgot the dance after like six months of training for it. And it was such a mess, but it was so funny because I just made it up as I went along. And for some reason, I came in first runner-up. And I, it was, I, I, you know, there were judges outside sitting at the front of the stage and I wasn't supposed to, but I took the dance onto their judging tables <laughs> and I was throwing their papers up in the air. It was just some kind of like page flight took over. I was throwing their, their, you know, whatever their scores were up in the air and I was dancing in front of their face and the entire audience was cracking up. So that's why they gave that to me. But I, like I don't it. think I do a pageant again. <laughs> uh, well, I have to imagine it's almost like the opposite of acting in which there's a very, very, very core and very, very strong set of rules and guidelines that you have to follow by. And it's less about being you or being even being somebody else, he's like, we want you to be this very specifically. What was it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head. When you start into this whole process, you get to, you decide, okay, I'm going to do this pageant. You get accepted as one of the contestants. And what's like, what is the first thing they have you do? Is there like, just like a bunch of paperwork you have to sign? It's like, you will not say anything about this. What is, what is that process like? Um, I don't remember the initial, I, I was chosen somehow. Uh, there was a vote. There was some kind of vote. And then I don't remember the initial, um, you know, paperwork or anything about that. The main thing I remember, because I was so young, but I remember my mother taking me for the pageant dress in a little shop on Long Island. And I remember um, just trying on a bunch of dresses and gowns and it was a beautiful connecting moment with my mom because my mom loves fashion and glamour and getting dressed up and my mom loves shopping. So I remember the, that gown, it was black and white sequins and I just, that's the part I remember of it, from it. I like that. Uh, to have be able to find a uh, a positive emotional just just moment out of something that in my mind would just be a soup of nerves and <laughs> and yeah. 
and all that, uh, that would be kind of crazy. So, okay, so I'm going to ask this. I always ask this whenever I know you say that you prefer film and, uh, over over theater, being able to do it that way. That means that you're going to have this. You've already said, uh, talked about uh, an actress that inspired you early. What are some of the films that just kind of helped cement the love of acting and the love of the industry in you when you were younger? Okay, I'm going to be completely cliche. I'm not the only one, but it's absolutely Al Pacino. I know I'm like part of a million thousand trillion people that say that, but I do remember seeing Dog Day Afternoon when I was little. I think my dad took me on um, Kings Parkway in Brooklyn to see it. And um, I didn't grow up with my dad, but he did take me to see that film when I saw him sometimes. And I, I remember seeing Pacino and somehow knowing that he was acting like that, that was something you can do. That was something that you could learn and become a career for. I, I would never was looking or seeing films my son's the same way now. Like I never watched it for entertainment or there was always that I was behind the scenes of it always watching like where the cameras are. How did he get those moments? How does he be so uh, intense? And like that was, it was just Pacino, his face on the big screen and, and saying, I would love to be the female Al Pacino that I remember saying to somebody and you know it's very cliche but it's true like seeing great actors in film as a child and you you're like oh my god that's what i want to do so it was it was definitely him i can't really remember any other uh any other thing well it makes sense to me there's a reason that the the greats are the greats i mean pacino's yeah. done so many good things he can even take a film that would sometimes be just like cheesy and campy. And even if he goes over the top, he's just fantastic. Uh, I mean, just his 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 rant as as Lucifer uh, opposite uh, Keanu Reeves I, it, that every time that that final that final speech towards the end of, of the film is like, all right. Yeah, that the rest of the film without that doesn't work. And it's just, this kind of, uh, just amazes me every time I see it. It's like, yeah, I I get that 100%. Now, when you went into some of the, the earlier films that you had, did you get starstruck when you kind of were able to work with some of these, these, I don't want to say Titans, but these, these extraordinarily talented individuals that you're with. I mean, just looking back at uh, like frogs and snakes i mean yeah i the, the cast on that was crazy i mean it was, it was crazy. Uh, yeah. what was what was that like that was amazing because i got to work with barbara hershey right and that was like that was insane that was nuts that was amazing um i remember even being in the makeup chair with her and the director was amos poe who's still a very good friend of mine. And I got that role as a tomboy who wanted to be an actress. And I remember being in the um, in, in the makeup chair and they were putting actual sideburns on me. It was a weird character. They put Amos, Amos put his hat on me and these sideburns, but I was in a wife beater and I'm, you know, built like a, a lady. Right. And Barbara, she was like, how's this going to work? Like, <laughs> at the time, it was like, She's like, are you sure she needs those sideburns? Are you like, something's not matching up here with the character. And Amos is like, don't worry. She's going to lower her voice and it's going to be just this twist. You know, this, this girl who she doesn't know who she is. She just wants to be an actress and she's working at a gas station and she knows a lot of monologues and she's never really going to be an actress because she stinks, but <laughs> So that was my character and it was amazing to work with Barbara Hershey. And of course, when you're in the scene and she was laughing a lot at me. So that was amazing. Yeah. Just looking at that, she's, she's, she's just uh, a legend in and of herself. But I mean, 
got Robbie Coltrane in there, uh, you know, rest his soul that we lost not too long ago. He was he was always amazing in anything that I saw him in. And you got the 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 master of voices in DiMaggio that was in that as well and uh, John, John Yeah, exactly. He seems like he'd be super intense. Is he intense when he's on the set with you? He's funny. He's absolutely, you know, actors are just a lot. Of, I think most actors are maybe similar to what they are in script. Like there's a lot of love in actors. You have to have a lot of love in you just in life yeah. to even want to do it, to even want to be there on set and, what was yeah, yeah, yeah. what was your favorite scene that you did in that film? Is or is there a specific aspect of the production of that film that just kind of still has a special place in your heart today? Well, it's the scene in the gas station. Oh. It was it was the scene when I'm pumping gas, and uh, you know I wasn't actually pumping gas. That was like I remember I had trouble with. It. <laughs> I couldn't get the. I couldn't get the. Um, you know how you have to put the nozzle in the gas, but there was no, There's it was on the side there. of the car where that wasn't. And I remember I couldn't even coordinate <laughs> myself to put that in and say the monologue and look at Barbara Hershey. And I remember that, that scene. That's, that's a lot of fun. Um, well, and, and here's the other thing you go, you go from that and it, obviously films are the films, the, the sequence that they come out in theaters isn't necessarily the sequence that they're recorded in. But, you know, right. when, when I look at the sequence of when that came out and then just like right after that, you've got clay pigeons. Yeah. Just another kind of star studded killer cast kind of a uh, uh, production. Yeah. How did you, did you get, uh, I, I feel like with, with the way that my psyche works, if I were in your position at that point, it's like I just got, I was in this film and I worked with these legends and these awesome people. And then I go, I'm in another one with all these legends. It's like, oh, I'm a legend now. <laughs> How do you keep your, keep your, keep your mind clear and, and not go to that place where you, where you might think too much? Oh my God. That was, um, that was really amazing. I mean, that, that was amazing how I got that role. That was amazing being on set with David Dobkin and Joaquin Phoenix, who is extraordinary and a truly deep, deep actor that really, I, I learned a lot working with him, even though I don't have the biggest role in that movie, but I I just learned a lot. Like we, he wanted to discuss the relationship of our, characters that was really fascinating to me um it was it was one of the greatest film experiences of my life for sure yeah i've heard that he that he really just kind of puts himself buries himself into the role oh yeah oh my god like he was punching the wall in that scene he was really punching the wall it was um that was that was amazing I have so much to say, I can't even collect my thoughts about it. But because I was so young and I hadn't done that much before that. And then when I got to the set, I remember, you know, a lot of actors, you you start out like, what am I doing here? How did I get here? Are you sure they hire the right person? <laughs> what the heck am I doing working with these people? Like I only did these smaller things. Oh my God, I'm going to mess up my lines. I'm not going to get the beat right. I'm going to screw up the scene. It was all of that in the back of my mind, like the whole filming. So, but it was, it was a blast. It was amazing. So, okay. So this is the question that comes to me. The first one that comes to me, just specifically talking about the method that Joaquin Phoenix uses. And he had that, he had the discussion with you about the relationship. How do you get onto the same page when, when the person that you're working with is trying to, be at a certain level of, of realness. How do you prepare yourself? How did you how did you get yourself to get to that same level? Was it like a collaborative thing, or was there was there something else that you were able to use to kind of do that? With working with Joaquin, it was completely connecting. It was connecting with him 
um, I had gone through a lot of acting trainings and stuff, but that doesn't really prepare you. I think, I think acting is connecting. I think it's making that connection. It's listening. It's who am I to this person? He, you know, we, we talked about that, like how long this couple was together, even though we didn't share a tremendous screen time, it was, how do I connect with him? So it comes off real on film. I think you have to sort of, I think the best thing is to connect in life and in the characters. So it's just, it's like maybe making a friend or what's our history together. I Listening and answering, connecting, those are the most important things with acting. And that film too, I got from making a lot of mistakes. It seems like making mistakes has been the journey of my life. <laughs> Every great thing that has ever happened to me happened from mistakes, like not doing it right, not thinking you're good enough, mm. um, messing up stuff, making a, it, it's, it's the best because then all that real stuff comes out of you. And I got that movie also from making a lot of mistakes in the casting. Like I just kept messing up the casting. <laughs> so, but that made the director laugh as opposed to just trying to do everything right. So that was an amazing experience. I like that. Um, when you're on stage or when you're putting something together for a film, there's always uh, an element kind of like what you're talking about of sharing a piece of yourself. And some pieces that you share are a little more guttural or real or potentially potentially embarrassing, whether it's an aspect of your personality you didn't know you had or whatever. And, and kind of along those lines, I always always kind of wonder in in situations for films like you you did with Clay Pigeons, you had a very intimate scene in that yeah. film. How does it? How do you get yourself into the headspace? Because that's 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 late nineties. That's before you know, like intimacy directors were a thing, right? Uh, or, yeah. or was there like an intimacy director on set to kind of get you to where you felt right in in the moment and you were able to do what you needed to do? How do you get yourself into that space where you're you're sharing a lot more than what a lot of other people share in films? You throw yourself off a cliff. That's what you do. <laughs> you throw yourself off a cliff. If you... I don't think I'm the greatest actress in the world, but I think I'm the most courageous. I think that there's nothing I probably wouldn't do for acting except hurt myself. But I, um, there's a trust with your director. There's a trust with the actors. We hope oftentimes you're coming onto a set that has already been filming and that could be a little bit jarring. Right. Maybe. Um, I love the connection. I love the risk factors. I love that, you know, going back to the things you can't do in life, you can do on film. If you are attracted to that and you want to express yourself, I think it's very easy. If it's not easy, you probably shouldn't do it. Right. I think the risk thing, like, okay, I'm just going to scream at him or I'm just going to make a fool out of myself. And, of course, doing that with Joaquin Phoenix was a great joy. <laughs> so it wasn't hard for me at all. I mean, they they cleared the set and I was like, oh, it's okay. Everybody can stay. Like, I just have uh, a lot. I think I have a lot of courage and that's all it was really. I don't have any place that I want to hide myself in acting. Of course, there's limits and boundaries and different things that are not proper to do, but I love David Dobkin and Joaquin and all that. A couple of times after that film, I had, I had, I did several other films where they were like, can you do what you did in Clay Pigeon? And you literally just happened to me where I would just be on set and there was no discussion. There was no connection oh. with actors or the directors. And, and then, you know, then I left crying and I was like, okay, that's done. I'm not doing films like that anymore. Yeah. But with the Clay Pigeon, you know, that was all proper and really just a really um, trusting environment, safe environment. When you're safe, you can take a lot of more risks. Right. Yeah. 
that definitely makes sense to me. Um, now I've, I've, I've had the, I've had the joy of being able to speak to uh, a fair number of actors over the years. And I, I really love hearing the different perspectives on things. And I know that several of them in the past have, you know, have said to one effect or another that, you know, there's, you know, you know, the cliche, there's no such thing as a small part or, you know, whatever. But I always, in, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at but the differences between the sizes of parts. What would I enjoy? It's like, a, would, I'm, would I prefer being the person that's, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, the, the leads or one of the, the second, secondary characters? Or would I, would I still really have a lot of fun with just kind of a smaller role? And it just occurred to me, to, and I wanted to ask you to see if you had the same kind of thought process. You would, with a smaller role, you would get to see a lot more of what was going on because the focus isn't on you as much and you can kind of see what everybody else is doing. And you know, when I was looking at your, 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 your part in the wedding planner, for example, I was like, yeah. well, you know, while that's not a huge role, that would be a perfect positioning to just kind of see everything that is occurring. Am I right in that thought process or is it kind of different? You are right but it's also more nerve wracking because you don't have a chance to build something and fall and fix it in the next seat. Like you really have to nail it with a small scene. That's why the small characters are so important or the, you know, the straight guy in a film, like allowing the other person to shine. It's, it's tougher in a way because it's like, you know, just being in a kitchen and not, really able to cook like you don't really have your say or hands in the pot you're kind of just there and you don't have that many chances really to like nail your like you've got to find a moment it's it's harder I find it harder to just be in one scene I kind of wondered yeah like that scene in the wedding planner I had to cry on the cue of that moment that was very scary because you have a thought there were thousands there were so many extras and then the camera's panning in and you just have like that one chance to like say your line or else you're gonna mess up a thousand people and they have to reset the shot and all this stuff so that's like terrifying (laughs) as opposed to being in the whole movie where you get to just mess up stuff but so I've got this in my imagination. You know, I'm putting myself in in your position in that film, trying to at least. And it's like imagine, okay, and and the you know the director is like, okay, we got the we got the camera pointing this direction. We're going to pan over in this, and we're going to hit you with your mark. And I'm just thinking, it's like he goes like, no, I need I need a minute more. I'm not there yet. <laughs> just kind of wait. <laughs> did did okay, you? I'm like this with my hands. I'm like, <laughs> you better get this. Like I put them under, I'm like, here it comes, here it comes, Ooh, you know, it's, it's horrifying. I'm like, cost them like millions of dollars if you don't get that one tear in your eye in that oh. one moment, on that one line, in that one rhythm, you've got to do it. It's so much harder. That is nuts. I just, I couldn't, uh, because I was trying to, now, I hope this doesn't come across right. It's like, because I remembered, I remembered your role from, uh, uh, from clay pigeons and from far, frogs and snakes because I'd seen those and it's like well I, I'd seen the wedding planner it's like she was in that where right oh oh my <laughs> that just my entire thought process like oh that that's rough <laughs> it's rough and you know what else is crazy about that is that you can do one scene as an actor in a movie that gets seen everywhere right. and then you do like all these indie films and all these you know amounts of work and if it's not seen if the film's not seen you it's you never get seen <laughs> so it's it's a very interesting thing well one and- in a movie that gets seen it might be better it might be better for your career to do that and do all these character roles, and nobody sees them. Well, and 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 it, it's it's kind of fun also to be to be that person eventually. That's like, oh, when you see this person, you think of the role from the previous films. That they're, they're going to be that person for you forever. You've actually worked with somebody a couple of times that, for me, runs into that 
kind of spot. You've worked with um, Richard Edson a couple of times, yes. and he's. Yeah. I, I just like first thing I thought when I when I was like, oh yeah, I wonder if she just kind of jokingly asked him to park her car. <laughs> Because he's always going to be the guy from Ferris Bueller for me forever and ever and ever. Yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah. it is it fun to be able to work with the same people on multiple projects? Yeah, yeah. What, of course. What is your favorite favorite part? What can you give me an example of somebody you've worked with on a couple of occasions where you just like, oh, we worked together on this other thing, but now that we've done that. I feel like I know you better and it made something else maybe easier or better. Yeah. Um, well, working with Richie for, we did so many projects together and he's a great example of um, even my little one was making a film and he's in two of those short films too. It's just, we, we laugh our sides off. We laugh so much. We, I, I think the theme of, us talking is like mistakes and laughing and having fun and going deep and revealing the parts of yourself that you can't do in life. I think it's the same thing. And when you work with the same people over and over again, you're even more free with that and then more free with them. And that's the beauty of nobody goes to see a movie where somebody is shut down in it or they can't see themselves up on the big screen and right relate to characters and I think you have to have a lot of courage and have fun mostly even if you're crying it could be the most fun and yelling at somebody or angry at somebody in film it's fun in life it's Trump you know completely traumatic right and in film it's the most fun the more you can do those things the more fun you're gonna have what's it like being able to share this with your son Oh my God, that is like if you have seven more hours today, I could talk about that. <laughs> well, that blows my head. That blows my mind. How did um, how did he come come to you saying, Mom, um, I want to make movies? He um he had done a couple of things prior to this, but when he was five years old, the entire world shut down during the pandemic. And he woke me up one of those nights. It was about two months into the shutdowns. It was 4.30 in the morning. And he just started to shake me awake. And he said, mom, you're the best mom in the world, but you never got me a filmmaking class. I want to be a director. I want to spend my life making movies. I'm, I'm a filmmaker. He was a painter prior to that. He sold paintings since he was four years old. He had art gallery shows. So it wasn't like film. I, and a lot of music stuff, but I never, I never thought of that for him really. And he just woke me up like in an epiphanal situation about 6am that same morning, I called my friend, the director, Tony K, one of the world's greatest directors and a good friend of mine. He directed American history acts. And I said, you know, it's the pandemic and my son's name is Joe Sway. Geo wants telling me adamantly he wants to be a filmmaker, actor, director, writer, make movies. Can you maybe on Zoom teach him a filmmaking class? Like, you know, a little thing. And he was like, sure, put him on right now. And Tony said to him, Geo, you want to be a filmmaker? And Geo said, yes. And he goes, okay, go watch Lawrence of Arabia and call me back after. That's your first assignment. Nice. So to, not to get into it too much, but literally about a week later, uh, he made my son made a movie. And so from there, he's been acting. My agent took him on and he works a lot, acting, writing, directing, and musically composing. That's so much fun. Yeah. Well, so that's how that happened. Just a basic shake down yeah. get up you got to do this for me i know i'm this and you got to help me i feel like you couldn't have picked a, a better first step i love i love american history x even if there maybe was some some uh disagreement between edward norton yeah. <laughs> and uh, and him about how things go i think maybe maybe that made it better because it just that it that was a gritty raw film i, I love that film 
Yeah. It's one of those great examples of here's an excellent film that I don't want to watch very often. <laughs> Once or twice is, is just fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, okay. So let's talk about current events just for a minute. Um, obviously, you know, we've, we've gotten mostly past the, the, the pandemic stuff. I mean, it's still aspects of it, you know, kind of lingering around. And, and now that we're past that, we have to have something else causing problems uh, for, for the people that make the things that we love and that being uh, the, the, the SAG-AFTRA, the strike that's going on. What Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, do you, what, what do you think it's going to take for for the studios, uh, the people that are making the films to come to an understanding from the perspective of the writers and the actors? I don't know what it's going to take on their part. There has to be some kind of mediation or agreement. I stand obviously with the actors and the writers full throttle. Same. Uh, we are the voice and the breath of every movie. I mean, there's nothing without obviously first the writer uh, that is step one there's no vision there's no nothing that's like building a house with no foundation whatsoever building a house on sand that just gets blown away by the wind i mean these are people we artists to be honored cherished loved supported and uh unfortunately that comes through funding and financing that's how the earth works Right. So without that, I don't see how anybody can do their work. And there has to be some kind of, it's so divided right now. There has to be some kind of unity and humanity and standing together on this and working to create better films and a better life for everybody. It's no one part can work without the other. Right. It's like cutting the arm off and thinking that. So I don't fight. I don't, um, there just has to be a mutual respect and there's nothing wrong with saying that or wanting that both sides. And maybe it's going to take, I don't know, somebody coming into it or something has to break so we can all go on and make better films and do our work. Right. I have to wonder if some of this was caused by the shift in a combination of consumption patterns of the media that we watch, as well as the the, the normal kind of um, large company response to something that's new. It's like, oh, well, if it's new, then we have to own it. And there can't be anybody else, or we have to have our own very specific brand of it. And that's why we have 300,000 different streaming platforms and you know, all these different things. And in a way, it's like, wow, there's a lot of choice. But the problem is, there's a lot of choice. And that, that I feel like that creates a, a change in the mindset of the people that are in charge of everything that they, they feel a lack of control, and then want to put that control where they feel that they've got it. And then it just hurts everything. I think it's a, a lack of humanity. I think it's become, I don't want to Say, but it's 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 very greedy and and it's it's very sad. It's very sad because I think especially with everything that everyone has been through, films can be a very uniting thing. Right. When they're just great human stories being told, not revamped and read like there's so many people with so much more to say, maybe than ever before on the planet. And there's so much darkness. And when people go to the cinema or they stream something, some of them want to leave their life and just get the load off and the burden off and see a great story, a rags to riches story, a classical Hollywood thing, or whatever it is. They just want to see a beautiful thing. Right. And this is just hurting everybody. That's all I think. I agree. And hopefully great things will come out of it. But it goes back to great stories. That's right. what this was built on. And it's become this whole other strange industrial complex of, I get that because obviously you need money to make films, but there just has to be some kind of balance betwixt yeah. Yeah. everything. I think you probably agree with that. Oh, definitely. At definitely. the end of the day, people want to see great stories. 
Yeah. And they want to be entertained and they want to be, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I, talking about, uh, talking about a great story that, uh, focuses on hurting people in a fun way. You've got a film coming out here. <laughs> like that segue yeah. that, that really took something that we don't want to talk about anymore. <laughs> then maybe take it somewhere, somewhere fun. Um, you get to play like an ex assassin. Yes. How that much was, how much fun is that? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Beyond fun. That was I I actually got the job the same day that I went to go film. I had one hour to get to set and it was just the whole thing was just so much fun to film out on the open seas in California. We filmed off the coast of Marina del Rey, working with Jason Patrick and playing these crazy killers, um, and I don't want to give anything away, was absolutely amazing. It looks like it's it looks like it's a lot of fun. I mean, till death to us part, uh, the name of it. I, I feel like I skipped over that for a moment, but uh, it's it looks like it has a really fun cast and it has this kind of a campy, almost seventies violence feel to it. Um I mean, just just the fact that uh, like uh, Orlando Jones is in it, yeah. that just makes me smile in and of itself. I uh, know he uh, he has kind of a, a way of of making everything kind of fun. What was your what was your favorite part of this particular production? Was it uh, reading the script? Was it a specific location you got to film on? Was it a specific interaction? It was being on the boat with Jason and Natalie and Sidarius Green. It was being on that yacht was, I mean, you can feel a lot of that in the film. The yacht was, the waters were so crazy rocky. There were dolphins out there and it was, I'll let you in on one secret. It was very difficult to film because the boat and the cameras and the crew and everything, nobody could stabilize uh. themselves <laughs> completely hilarious we couldn't get any of the scenes done we had to even shift to different parts of the boat because being on the bow of the boat was too windy and it was too rocky and the dolphins were coming over and spitting on the side of the scene and we had to transfer the scene inside outside jason sometimes he had to put um in one in one scene he had to put a platter of food down it was shark and he couldn't get it down on the table properly because the boat was rocking. So people were getting seasick. They got thrown over the side. The sound guy got thrown over the side of the boat. It was hilarious. It was so much fun. It was so amazing. Oh yeah. man. That just, that just sounds like, um, sounds like it's a lot of fun. And, and from what I've seen of it so far, I, I haven't, haven't seen it yet. Not more I've seen. Now I have to see it because it just looks like too much fun. <laughs> looks like there had to have been at least a little bit of prep work in terms of some combat training too. Um, oh. I saw I saw what looked like a very solid sidekick uh, that was <laughs> landed by by one of the one of the individuals. Like, oh, I don't ever remember seeing them do anything combat related. That that looks much too crisp to uh, be to uh, yeah. not have been a little bit of training. Um, what is, um, what do you think it, did you get to partake in any like special training for that? It's like, oh, we're going to be on a boat. You need to learn how to do X or whatever. I wish I did, but oh. Natalie Byrne is the actress and she's phenomenal yeah. at martial arts. She's extraordinary. And she came from being a ballerina in the Ukraine. So she has the, incredible skills to take on every man in the film that explains <laughs> it I was, I was gonna say it's like wow that if this was just like a six-month training thing whoever trained them did really good it's like no oh, okay no so she's a, like a martial arts oh she's like incredibly skillful and amazing okay. she's she's a dancer and a martial artist and she does a lot of action films and I wish I could do that. It, it inspired me to train more now and get back into the gym and start boxing again. Because uh, I've always been athletic, but not for the last year. And now I'm going back to the gym and training because of this movie. But I don't have 
those combat scenes. I played Jason Patrick's wife, right. crazy wife. Well, that's the fun part, though. Part crazy couple, yeah. Be being the crazy person gives you license to just have fun with whatever yeah. it is. That well, he is. I'm more like his rock, but we're a crazy couple that has done a lot of things in our life, which mm. later gets revealed. Ah, that's yeah. going to be so much fun. I'm definitely going to have to take a look at that. That's going to be great. Now, if you're going to go into some martial arts, I definitely go that mixed martial arts technique. Get a little jujitsu in there, maybe uh, some kenpo. Uh, you'll you'll be ready in yeah. no time to be a martial I'm arts superstar. Muscles pack up after oh. this film. <laughs> I'm going to do boxing and some ballet. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I have one question. Uh, actually, two questions. I take that back. I lied. I always have two questions that I ask everybody. Um, one of them has to do with kind of the nature of our podcast. We tend to talk a lot about the intersection of comic books and film and television. So I always start with, were you ever a comic book fan yourself? I was not the biggest comic book fan. I'm more a fairy tale fan. Oh, there's some I love tales. picture books and old ancient fairy tales. That was like my, those were my comic books. Like finding like ancient books with the designs and the drawings in them. I like it. I like it. Well, Maybe it was dark comedy. Yeah. Well, if you had a chance, let's say... Uh, I don't know, Marvel Studios or Warner Brothers came up to you and there's going to be the next big comic book film. If you could choose any character that you were aware of that you could play, what would it be and why? Well, I've always loved, I know they've made it already, but I've always loved Beauty and the Beast and the old French fairy tales. Or maybe even something like Joan of Arc or some... I, that's not comical, but something European, well, some it, kind of, yeah, it could be comical. Well, I mean, they, they have variations that go into, that go take these original stories and just kind of riff off of them in the comic. There's a lot of examples of, uh, of things like that, especially on some of the smaller publishers. Um, but, um, well, I, I was just going to say, just with, with the look that you had, it's like I I would say that you have a very uh, – ask a comic book person what this means. But I'd say you have a very Jean Grey look to you in terms of X-Men. They're going to be redoing the whole the whole X-Men franchise, the mutants and everything coming up. And just, you know, just from a physicality side of things, like, oh, you know, Hellfire Club, Black Queen version of Jean Grey. I could definitely see you pulling that off 100%. Okay, that's thank you. That seems like a really big compliment, and I'm going to be studying the Jean Grey comics. And I mean, this is a very thought-provoking question, by the way. I'm really going to look into this because it's pulling up my love of these kind of comic book characters or like ancient fairy tales. I kind of I, I lost a little bit of that part of myself because I've been acting a lot, but um, I also love to write right. these. Characters and fantasy these stories are all based on they're just based on older myths and fairy tales right. and there's extrapolations that's, of the things that we love that's what I, that's what's coming to me it's like these are comic books are built on ancient stories really or just the storytellings of those old fairy tale novels and things like that all right or like the knights and well, let's, let's end strong. I already know your answer, well, part one of the answer to the last question I'm going to ask you. This is a, this is a put yourself in the situation sort of a thing that I've done. Um, uh, imagine that you were, you're having breakfast, you uh, run across a, a, a lamp, a genie lamp, and you rub it. But uh, the genie that pops out has been in uh, Los Angeles for way too long. So his, his wish-granting capabilities are extraordinarily limited. He says, I can give you three wishes, but the wishes are all kind of the same. I can allow you to work with three different individuals that you've always wanted to work with. Who would they be and why? Gino. <laughs> Gary, Gary Oldman. Oh. My God. Joaquin again. Uh. That's, if I have to think about this, I might come up with different answers, but those, 
definitely. Oh, they're all men too. <laughs> well, but you know, it's it's one of those things. There's so many good people. There's no wrong answer that you can really get. Yeah, it's just just the people that can kind of that can kind of touch you, and I appreciate the fact that you've allowed us the moment to just take a little glimpse into your life and your history to be here with us today, and uh, I really hope till death do us part does fantastic, and that you come back and talk to us again when you have another project that's in the works. We would love to hear more about the things that are coming up in your life now. I would love to. I have some good things in the works. Excellent. Well, if we want to keep uh, our eye on that, what are the best social media locations that we can go to to find out what's going on with you in in your day-to-day life? Just Nicole Arlen at Instagram, Nicole Arlen on Facebook, and I'm building a couple of other things too, which I'll connect to those, those platforms. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for your time. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see what else is coming out in the future. Yep. Amazing day. Bye.